family, and welcome back to another episode of Normal with Autism. We are walking with Faith on this side of the spectrum, and we welcome you to the kitchen table to come experience the joy in the journey. I'm Tara. I'm Sarah. Hey, friend. How's it going? I don't even know anymore. <laughs> I don't... I think I think the only reason that I know what day it is is because we're recording today. Ah, uh, because there were several times today that I thought it was Friday, for some I reason. Wish. Yeah. So, Soon but enough, it is my Thursday. My watch told me that it's Thursday, and my computer confirmed it. So, I'm gonna go with that answer. But it'll be Monday when you're listening, so none of yes. this will matter. Yeah, we're yeah we're recording on a Thursday night, and Monday we'll be releasing this, so we'll go from there. Um, so how have you been? I have been busy. Work has been really busy. Um, I've been doing some photo sessions. Um, taking a lot of pictures of my cat. Um, <laughs> the pictures of Winston, if y'all, if you're listening and you have not been to our Instagram page yet, you need to get to our Instagram page because there are pictures of Winston on a couch, but it's not just okay. any couch. Go ahead. You so my him. friend, Kurt, okay. So I saw this like article on like, I don't know, Buzzfeed or something. And it was like, <laughs> people are crocheting mini couches for their cats. And I, messaged my friend and I was like, I will pay you any amount of money. Please make this for me. <laughs> She's like, okay. Uh, so it is a vintage couch, like a crocheted vintage couch with an Afghan on the back. And it's like a cat bed, but it it's is, a couch. It is the and, cutest. And it is the cutest thing of all time. And he's obsessed right. with it. Like I Matt think sent me, sends me pictures every day of him sleeping on his little couch. I think it's the only thing that's going to save us in all of this. Like when this so. is all over, people will be like, I got through it because of the pictures of Winston on the crochet. If you need to pick me up, Winston's here for you. Right. I think we just, I think from now on, we'll just share pictures of him. That sounds good. Okay. All right. Sounds good. <laughs> uh, I can't, there's nothing that, like, oh, we got our backyard done. Oh, nice. Yeah. So we have a new, I'll share pictures soon. We have a new patio space and a new fire pit area. And oh, it's just, it's nice. I can look in my backyard and I'm not embarrassed by it anymore. And it, it looks really nice. So. Oh, it's amazing. Yeah. I can't wait to come over and stand six feet away from you and enjoy it. <laughs> I know. <laughs> and look at it six feet away while we're wearing yeah. more than six feet away while we're wearing masks. It is, it's, it's like been a long time coming. We started planning for it a couple of years ago. And then earlier in April, when all the pandemic stuff hit, like we pulled the trigger on it and I was like, let's make it happen. So mm -hmm. it's been a long time coming. So we're just, we're very happy yeah. right now. So, yeah, yeah. It feels so good to get those projects done. It does. It does. Yeah. And we replaced the floor in our bedroom. So goodbye, 20 year old carpet. Oh, I know. So we're we're kind of kicking butt when it comes to the home. We're just yeah. we're our own little HGTV channel. Well done. Right now. So I'm very happy about that. So, yeah. 
deep breath yeah that's um, crazy right now i don't know if you guys have noticed the world oh there's a couple things going on is there yeah oh. just a few I um it's just me well one of them is trying to figure out what to do to go back to school so that's what this episode is going to be about tonight uh, i don't have an episode title yet but i'm hoping that through our intelligent conversation that we're going to get into um and all the the wonderful things we're going to talk about i'll come up with one you won't let me come up with titles because i'm not allowed to have cuss words in them so it's fine (laughs) go with what you want (laughs) okay no seriously though if you think of one i'm I'm all about it at this point so let's let's talk for just a second about let's first of all we have a special guest who we'll introduce here in a second who's joining us this evening yay but let, let's kind of take a trip down memory lane. So back in March, here in Ohio, the pandemic hit and things got real, real fast. And the governor shut us down for what we thought was going to be three weeks, right? Mm-hmm. So that was mid-March. And then as we got close to the end of that three weeks, I don't exactly remember what happened, but I think it was like until the end of April right mm. it was something it was like big this, trauma blur oh that's the new it, episode trauma blur tra- trauma blur i love it and it was it was something like he kind of like incrementally led us down this path because i think he knew that if he told us all at once like you're just done for school for the year or like mean, our mean. heads would have exploded yeah it just would have been jelly on the wall um so now we're like, okay, we shut down, we flatten the curve, everything's looking good, and then all H-E double hockey stick breaks loose, right? And the numbers start going up, and the surging happens, and before that happened, we were all thinking, okay, we're going to go back to school in the fall, it's going to be okay, kind of, we'll figure it out. And then a little over 10 days ago, the the district started releasing plans for the start of the 2021 school year and it, again it felt like at that point we were like a little over 10 days ago like we're we're gonna go back in person obviously our favorite um person said that he would hold back funds for schools that weren't gonna open in person mm-hmm. so that was a little interesting scary weird um But now I'm not sure anyone really knows what's going on anymore. So before we introduce our guest, I'd like to play a quick game of what do you think will change between now and Monday when the episode gets released? What do you think? Could be anything. I definitely think Marchands are going to take over. Doesn't have to be school related. Um, I think that, um, girl. Listen, I'm not guessing anymore because every time I'm like, this ridiculous thing's going to happen. Something more ridiculous happens. Yes. And I can't keep up anymore. Right. I am stressed. Right. I, I can't. The ridiculousness I don't know. compounds itself. I, yeah. I don't think that our district is going to be going back in person, at least for the first semester. Well, for those folks listening outside of Ohio, which is is a few people, um, I think when we heard about Columbus City, which is our largest district in the state, 
saying that they were going to do virtual to start with for the fall I think I knew then like the dominoes were going to start to fall and other people were going to follow suit and we've we've seen that at this point so yeah yeah so who knows what will change between now and Monday but without further ado let's introduce our special guest who's going to join us tonight our returning champion as John Lovett I know says (laughs) right our well I think we'll have to figure this out I'll have to go back and look but Miss Danielle our favorite advocate from AW Law I'll bite Wiker Law I finally said it right after all these (laughs) all these months thank you so much for coming back tonight and being with us again ladies I love hanging out with you oh yay yay well um again before we started recording we were talking with Danielle and about the whole change thing we were talking about how there was something different when I planned for her to be on happening there was something different going on with the schools when I said hey do you want to come on and then the other day she said yeah I'll be here and let's do it this and now we're into a completely different new area so are you so excited to be here when nobody really knows what's happening yeah, well, and I'm a parent too, so I am in the thick of it, and I think we have to go day by day, week by week, and we have to have a flexible mindset because things are ever-changing, and I don't think we're going to know what's happening until the first day of school is actually here. <laughs> well, yeah. and I'm I'm glad you, I'm glad you reminded us, because you have kind of a unique perspective in this whole thing you kind of have three different perspectives happening. You've, uh, you've obviously, you've been in school, right? You've, you've worked in schools. So you understand probably that mindset that's happening right now. You're a parent. I still work in a school actually. Okay. Yeah. So I, I still work in Marion city schools as a school psychologist. So I, I definitely have one foot in there. So I know what's going on with school planning and, Right. So you have you have a school perspective. You as you mentioned, you have a parent perspective. And then you also have kind of the um legal area, advocacy area perspective as well. So this is why I'm I'm really excited that you're here with us tonight cuz I I'm happy for you to bring kind of all three of those things into our discussion. Well, and and being an advocate, I work with so many different school districts. And so that has been interesting to see, like you said, the domino effect. Um, This week, you know, alone, a lot of the school districts that I work with are now going to straight e-learning. So that, I, I actually, our interns at the office, I asked them to put together a spreadsheet, which they probably need to update at this point in time. But last week, they put together a spreadsheet of all the different Central Ohio schools, just to be able to say what their plans were. Because, you know, I'm trying to keep track of them. Everyone else in the office is trying to keep track of what school districts are doing. Um, because everyone kind of was doing something different, but now it seems like maybe not so much. Um, but yeah, so that we're just trying to keep up with what everyone's doing. Absolutely. Um, so speaking of keeping up with what everyone's doing, I kind of want to get your take on this first. Um, Are you allowed to or feel comfortable talking for just a second about your take on 
not really having kind of a national response, right? We're not really seeing that. I've watched uh, DeVos several times, and it always, like, when people try to press her, it always comes back to the local, 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 local. She pushes that. And so just, you know, because you have those three areas covered of, of your wisdom, what's your take? Do you, do you feel like we're missing stuff from the national perspective? Do you feel like we're going in the right direction having a local control over all of this? What do you think? I think even Governor DeWine has said the local school district should be able to decide what they're going to do. So I, I do I do think it should be made. I do think the school district should be able to make their own decisions instead of having the governor or, you know, Betsy. <laughs> Um, make the decision because mm-hmm. every school district is different. You know, depending on if you're rural, you're urban, you're suburban, depending on what county, what area of the state you're in, your numbers are going to be different. Your flare-ups are going to look different. Um, and so I do think that is an important piece to this. I, I do, I guess, personally, I, I wonder with Columbus City making that decision and then neighboring schools sort of following suit, are they following suit just to stay in line with Columbus City? Um, or are they doing it because they think that's what's best? So I've personally questioned that just because I do think it should be a local decision based on your population and what the numbers look like. And maybe just what you think is best for the students and the parents in your district. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. I think that's a really good point because different school districts are going to have different challenges. You know, if you're... Um, you know, if you have a school in your neighborhood and a lot of people walk to school, you're not going to have the same transportation challenges as a more, you know, um, rural school. So, you know, there, there are a lot of different, you know, facilities. How big is your school? Do you have, you know, the space and the resources you need? We know the schools do not have the resources that they need. Um, but yeah, I, I think that that's a good point that, you know, the districts know best what they need to be able to be successful um so i I agree with you i think it's it's good to keep it to the local level as like a follow-up do you do you see any any particular area that you okay so it should be mostly like local people making the decision is there any particular area that you wish there was more national guidance on Fine. I mean, again, personally, I I feel like Governor DeWine has done a really great job of handling this ep- okay. pandemic. Um, you know, irregardless of what my political affiliation is, I feel like he's done a great job of trying to control it while also not trying to control everybody. Um, yeah. So I, I feel confident in the decisions that he makes, and I know that he's doing it because he believes that's what's best for the people of Ohio. So nationally, I can't even imagine, you know, what the president or what or somebody higher up, how mm-hmm. they could even make the decisions for us here in Ohio, because we are mm-hmm. different than other states. We were just on vacation last week in Tennessee, and we were also in Kentucky for a little bit. And I mean, they have, you know, mask mandates that were, I think, a little stricter than Ohio's actually, mm-hmm. um, and their numbers are lower. And so mm-hmm. that to me was a little bit interesting. Um, I mean, you couldn't go into any business at all without a mask. They would tell yeah. you. 
um, and everybody wore them. It was just the norm. And like I said, their numbers are lower than Ohio's. And so that was a little bit interesting to see um, mm-hmm. if we're not doing e-learning and things like that down there. So again, every state is different, just like in Ohio, every district is different. So I would not feel confident to have somebody at the national level making decisions for us. Got it. Okay. I appreciate you kind of talking us through that because, you know, just seeing it strictly from a parent perspective and not having this working in the school system and not having kind of the the legal area advocacy area that you have. I appreciate you kind of giving us, you know, that wisdom to say like, no, I think, you know, I, I, I think it helps me feel a little better. Like I, I, I feel a little like, okay, this makes sense. Kind of how we're kind of proceeding forward with this. So yeah, I appreciate that. But it is confusing. Like there's a lot of information coming at us really quickly. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, we keep hearing like this virus is, you know, dangerous. We need to social distance. We need to wear a mask. We need like, these are the things we need to do, but then also getting statements from like, you know, the American Association of Pediatrics or whatever saying like kids need to be in school for, for you know, in person. But I'm like, well, what, which one? Like it's both, right. but like, how do you, oh, I don't like, there's just, there's so much coming at us and some of it is conflict, conflicting and you're trying to figure out, okay, what decision do I make with this information that I have? Mm-hmm. And, you know, you make a decision and then it changes because you have new information or because a policy has changed or it's exhausting. Mm-hmm. I think everybody's tired. Yeah. <laughs> I think we're all just tired at this point. Well, let's talk for a minute about kind of some of the choices that are facing parents, right? So some districts, even though Columbus City said they're going to do um, virtual learning, some districts are doing in-person, so that's like one category to choose from, right? Um, another category to choose uh, is e-learning. And then there's e-learning that the district provides, but then my understanding there's also like independent e-learning platforms or choices you can look at. And then there's homeschooling. And I think what might be the most helpful to us, could you talk for a minute about um, maybe some of those major differences between what you see between like the e-learning and the homeschooling choices? Yeah, well, so like you had said, there's the e-learning from the school district, and then you can choose to do an online public or charter school like um, Ohio K-12. Can't, I can't think of all the other names. I, I know Leslie had told me during our podcast that we have a list somewhere in the firm. Um, but so there, there is that option too, which again, Ohio has their own public online school that would not be affiliated with your local school district. So there are those two options. Um, and then there is the homeschool route. So talking about homeschool, that would be you withdrawing your child from the school district and then picking up curriculum, registering with your superintendent, using that curriculum and then doing everything on your own. When it comes to special education, that would be on you as a parent to provide those resources, those supports, those services. 
Now you can use scholarship funds to pay for those. You can use the scholarship funds to pay for outside OTPT speech or to work with a dyslexia specialist to work on reading. Um, that is an option if you decide to homeschool to use those funds for therapies and whatnot. But that your school district of residence is no longer responsible for providing your child with anything. Um, and, and so, you know, FAPE is no longer available. So I think that's a big thing to weigh, homeschooling versus going with the e-learning. If you choose e-learning through the school, kind of like how we did it, did it in the spring, and they, they are still responsible for the services on the IEP to the best, to, to the best extent they can provide those via e-learning. Um, you, know, you still obviously have the, the regulations under IDEA, which includes FAPE. So you still have all those things. If you choose an online public school, you still have all those rights, and now they're providing the services to your child. So they have intervention specialists, they have therapists that will work with your child through that virtual format. Okay. So homeschooling, what I want people to remember and take away is they have to withdraw their child, and then they are 100% responsible for getting everything set up and going yeah okay and then when you're choosing between the homeschooling there's that but then there's two different things which is the e-learning through the district which if your district is you know going virtual all virtual or they're saying that's an option for you but then you can also choose the outside e-learning and it and you said that you can use the um, different scholarship funds for homeschooling for the homeschooling. Right. Got if it. you if you do do the Ohio K-12 or whatever other um, online public or charter school that you can through Ohio, you cannot use scholarship funds because you are enrolling in a public school or a school. Um, okay. The reason why homeschooling allows you to use those scholarships is because you're not enrolled in a, mm -hmm. in a local school district. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, doing your work as an advocate, have you seen just kind of anecdotally any more interest in one versus the other so like in homeschooling versus e-learning that kind of thing I think a lot of my parents want their kids in school mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> because they believe that the the therapies and services provided on the IEP are best delivered in a school setting in person I think so many of our kids who have disabilities really struggle with that virtual format in the spring um, you know, a lot of them weren't getting the OT and PT because they needed the hands-on that you'd get in the school. You can't get through virtual learning. So I will tell you a lot of my parents, I, I can't think of one so far that has said, yes, I want e-learning or mm -hmm. yes, I want to homeschool my kid. All of them have said, I want my kid to be in school to the most possible degree they can be, um, which again, with the school districts changing their their platform to now full e-learning i you know a lot of our parents are are disappointed in that because i i mean services are not the same we all know that they're not the right. same through a virtual format and so kind of back up to the question you had said if your school district, district offers that opportunity of having the hybrid model or full in person and e-learning if you have that continuum of services I think you make the decision based on your child's needs on what decision you choose. 
Um, you know, my district that I live in, they are doing that. It's hybrid or e-learning. And so the district I, I work in right now, they're doing full in-person or you can choose e-learning. Um, and so as a parent making that decision, you have to, I think, base it on your child's needs and their medical needs, of course. You don't want your child exposed to, to the coronavirus if that's going to have, you know, a serious negative consequence. But from what I've seen, kids in school get better services because a lot of them need that contact. They need to see that person's face and have that connection. Um, some of our students who have behavior goals on an IEP, how are, how are those services ad addressed and delivered via e-learning, you know? So that's what's so tricky about, about this changing time is I worry with, with straight e-learning, how is that IEP going to be delivered and how is that going to be delivered well? Uh -huh. That's a good point because how we all know that, um, IEPs and special education in general is driven by data. So how are you going to be collecting data on these goals if you're not able to, you know, see them? Right. In I mean, a classroom those, setting. those ESY decisions, I had a lot of parents that we were talking about that and you look at your child's products report and that last data point says, well, due to COVID-19, we weren't able to collect data. Where does it leave our kids? And and to say all of that, you know, with I think I think for the most part, parents understand. I mean, I'll, I'll speak for myself that trying to collect that data, you know, while the kids at home doing virtual learning or whatever. I mean, teachers aren't superhuman, right? There's only right. so much they can do administrators aren't superhuman so yeah it I, it just that going through the spring was a complete mess and I I think I had the most positive best support from um, Finn's school um, and it was easy for not easy but it was it was not as challenging for my oldest because you know he was just doing the online work and he could handle that um, so I can't, I, I was like you, Danielle, were saying, you know, thinking about those kids on IEPs, how are those going to be fulfilled? I can't imagine the kid in a public school, maybe they were already struggling trying to get that support mm -hmm. and now they're going to be struggling more. Yeah. If they're going virtual. Yeah. I can see that. So. I'm just hoping that, you know, if they're going totally virtual that they have an actual curriculum or not curriculum but they, they they actually have instruction because that i think is what was lacking in the spring i felt like what i was seeing was just a lot of review a lot of go to this website this website do this where was the instruction so i am just really hopeful that they structure their school day to look as much as it can like a typical school day where there's new instruction <laughs> and some structure to their day. That's what I'm hoping for. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so well, when it, what, when, oh, one thing ahead. I want to add, um, I think it's also important to prepare our kids for, you know, if you do go back to school in person, there's still going to be changes and things mm. you have to adjust to. 
Um, like for example, Owen has been in school all summer. Um, he's been he has his own little room, and the teachers come to him. Like it's they have this whole thing set up. Um, but one of the challenges we're having is lunch because he's not allowed to bring a book bag or a lunch box or anything. Everything he brings has to be disposable. Um, so before we would put chicken nuggets or spaghetti or whatever in a thermos, and that's what he would eat for lunch. But now we're not able to do that. So we're having a really hard time getting, he doesn't like sandwiches. He doesn't like all these things that are easy to pack that you're able to dispose of. Um, so he's, he's not eating lunch today. He threw away all the healthy stuff and only kept his popcorn and then told his teachers that we didn't have any food and tried to get them to get him McDonald's for lunch. And so like, they're calling me and they're like, we just wanted to check on you guys. And we're like, what? <laughs> like things that I didn't like think of before. Um, but yeah, like what, that's something the that I didn't prepare for. <laughs> you know, for him to pick the fact that you all would be out of food is completely hilarious because if for anybody that knows you or even follows us on online a little bit, you're always going on about Aldi and like uh -huh. posting snaps of like, look at my full grocery cart for a hundred dollars <laughs> for like three weeks for four people. So that the fact that he picked that, that's, that's, <laughs> that's great. Yeah. So. Um, that's a good point, Sarah. You know, I think one of the questions that Tara had posed was about masks. And so preparing our kids to go to school and having to wear masks. A lot of kids are going to struggle with that. And I, I, I went back and I looked at DeWine's you know, reset and restart plan to try to see what he said about masks. Um, and he did say that those disabilities did not have to wear a mask. And so I think it would be appropriate to put on the front cover that IEP and then other information box and just say as an IEP team, we've determined that you know, student X doesn't have to wear a mask. Um, because, you know, some of our kids who are not typical look typical. And so I can I can see them walking down the hallway not wearing a mask and having, a, you know, a school person, someone who works in the school not knowing that child say mm -hmm. something. So I think it's important to have it in writing if the IEP team, IEP team determines that a mask is not necessary or appropriate for that child. For whatever for whatever reason it could be a sensory issue of wearing the mask it could be you know they have asthma right so breathing is already difficult it could be for whatever reason but i think that's important to write that on the iep if iep team says that it, they don't have to wear one yeah and i'm i'm glad you mentioned that because it well it's a big touch point you know for adults right i mean people on facebook are that's like the, the major thing they're all arguing about right now. It's like, wear a mask. Don't wear a mask. One that of. kind of thing. Right. <laughs> One of the major things we're all arguing about right now. So, yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that because, um, and we're able to answer that. Because when I put it on there, I was like, how difficult would that be? You know, not just thinking about the kid who can't wear the mask, like my son. But then the other kids who, if he were in a typical public school the other kids seeing him not being able to wear that mask and how they would, you know, might feel yeah. about it. Or like, as you mentioned, the school staff that maybe wouldn't know him. So, yeah. So advice for that is make sure it gets somewhere or gets on that front page of the IEP. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I would say put on the front page because that's, I mean, the other information box is kind of 
you know, is, is reserved for those comments of, hey, I want someone to know something right away when they pull out that IEP and not have to dig for it. So I think that would be an important thing to put on the front of cover that IEP. Gotcha. Okay. What about someone that, um, you know, like you mentioned, like may have asthma or may have anxiety or something that prevents them from being able to wear a mask, but they don't have an IEP, but they need that accommodation. Do they have to go through the 504 process or how does that work? Do you think? That's a good question. I mean, I would certainly hope that if someone had a severe reaction to wearing a mask, they already are on a 504 or an IEP. Um, I mean, hmm, that's a good question. I know sometimes districts have like a medical plan um, for a child that doesn't really need accommodations or services, but maybe they need an inhaler or something like that as needed. Um, so may I don't know, maybe. Maybe that would be something that would write. See, good question that I don't have an answer to because <laughs> we've never been here before. Or I don't know what that would right. look like, but I think that would be something worthwhile at least to have a team discussion in your school district of, hey, my child has severe anxiety, having the mask on, you know, with breathing in carbon dioxide increases their anxiety. What can we do to help them? So, yeah, good question. And I would probably, I would think that and Danielle, tell me if I'm right or wrong, you might want to have like a teacher who knows them pretty well advocate for them for that. You know, somebody who's maybe seen that anxiety in practice before so that it's not just you as the parent going to whoever you need to go to to try to get that. But that teacher or that school person that can say, yes, you know, I back them up on this story. Their anxiety is not that not that great. Always, I, I would say that would be helpful. Yeah. I always try to get that school person on my side. Like who, you know, who can I talk to on the staff that may be helpful or or whatever before I would approach about getting that or, done. Or even get a doctor's note, something from mm -hmm. your doctor that maybe the doctor had, maybe you've seen that doctor or a psychiatrist. Yes, it could be even somebody from the outside that has a history with their child that could document or say, yes, this child has X, Y, and Z. Mm -hmm. Um. So going from masks, let's go back to um, the e-learning piece, right? So when we got, when I got the email from our district, originally it was saying as long as the um, county level like is in one or two of emergency, right? You know, there's not that many cases. We're going to be in person five days a week. We're at a three, county level three. So that means that if like Quentin went back to school tomorrow into his public school, he would go two days on, three days e-learning. So when it comes to that, they've asked us to make a choice. Um and the choice would be that you're going to stick to their in-person or hybrid model or that you're going to do all virtual. And they've asked us to do it for the semester. Um, is that something that's like pretty common that that we're, we're seeing? Like you have to choose this semester. You kind of have to stick with it for the semester. I have not necessarily seen that language. I, I know all, I think every district has asked parents to at least say, yes, this is my choice. They can plan. 
I've not heard a lot of districts making parents sort of lock in for a semester on that plan. Mm. And I would say if you choose e-learning and it goes really poorly, then you should be allowed to change your your option, especially okay. for kids with disabilities, right? I mean, come on. <laughs> I mm-hmm. think those kids have, you know, definitely have, I don't know, have bigger needs. And so if you're doing one way or even if you're doing the hybrid model and your child is really struggling with the inconsistency or struggling with anxiety of the unknowns and you want to go to e-learning. So I think it should be fluid, but I know a lot of school districts are at least pressing parents to make a choice now. But I have not heard them say it has to be for the whole semester. Okay. All right. Well, I mean, that's good to know that you think there might be some wiggle room, right? Yeah. Okay. I mean, I, I yeah. think there definitely should be. And I don't know if a district can say, no, I'm sorry. We're not letting you change your change your mind. Um, I will say, I believe that Mark did a podcast on that. Not a podcast, I'm sorry, but a video, a video. on that. That he's probably going to hate me that I did not watch. But if you go if you go to All About Wiker's Facebook page, I guarantee there the video is on there. And he did do a, a video about that exact question that you had. Oh, we, will... we, can, we can share that on our page so people right. have that resource. We, and we will put the link to your Facebook page in the show notes because you've done, you did several videos that were very informative um, about that choice, um, about potting, which I want to Yeah, Morgan Masters just did one, yep. Uh-huh, about that for just a second. And they're, they're not that long. The videos aren't that long. So I would encourage anybody listening now, like once you're done listening to us, head over to the Facebook page, click on that link watch those videos, educate yourself, get as much of that information as, as possible. Um, what do you just kind of your personal thing? Cause we've mentioned it. What's kind of your personal biggest concerns for kids with IEPs going into this school year? I just worry that I worry that that gap is going to grow even more. They're already starting, I think, at a disadvantage because they struggle, whether it's academics, behavior, social skills, speech, whatever it is, they're already struggling. And I truly do believe that kids with disabilities need to be in school and they need to have, they need to have that hands-on in-person training and services to really help bridge that gap. I just don't think our kids with disabilities thrive with e-learning nor do i think that speech ot pt mental health counseling i just don't think those services can be delivered to the best possible extent via virtual learning so i just again i think the spring was a loss for pretty much all kids um but we were all hoping we'll come fall we're gonna get back into it or, or we'll be all right I worry, continuing with e-learning, that these kids are just going to struggle so much more than they already were. And I mean, I just, uh, yeah, that's, that's my biggest worry is that they're just going to continue to fall behind. They're going to continue to struggle. Those weaknesses are going to grow. Their confidence is going to be diminished. I just don't think, I just don't think kids with disabilities learn best through virtual learning. I'm sure there's a few 
a handful of kids out there that are doing all right. But I work with a lot of families, and I can tell you, those kids are struggling, and it's not going to get any better if we're only doing e-learning. And I think, yeah, I think I agree. And I, I think that bears out in the comments that we see, like on the Columbus Autism Parents Facebook page, um, just in the, the families page on my school. I mean, pretty much we all lost our minds in the spring trying to e-learn our children. And it was just like when Sarah told me that people were still coming out for Owen, I was like, could I bring Finn over to your house so that he could hang <laughs> out with them too? Because we're really sad here in my house. Finn doesn't like me that much anymore. <laughs> so yeah, I, yeah, I think we agree. And I think, I think that many parents would, would agree with you on that. I mean, um, well, I think like Tara, you said this before, um, but when you're, you know, doing e-learning, you're like eight different people. Like you're their teacher, you're their, you know, occupational therapist, you're their handwriting expert, you're their, you know, you're doing all these different jobs and none of them well, because you don't, you're not trained in that. You can't teach them the way that they need to be taught. Um, so, you know, that's really difficult. Like they're not going to get the same quality of you know care or services because you that's not what you do yeah well not to mention the lack of social exposure i mean kids whether they are neurotypical or not they need that social interaction they they learn so much that's not academic by being in school and not having that i think we've seen such an increase in depression and anxiety in our kids because they don't have that outlet. They don't have those socials, those social interactions that they need and they, they, they really need. <laughs> and so, again, even for neurotypical kids, I think they're really struggling with the e-learning too because they just don't have that contact. And again, the unknown, right? I mean, usually you get up at this time, you get on the bus, you go to school, your day looks very similar every day. You leave, you come home, your day is structured. I think when we threw that structure out, again, so many kids just, they just did not do well. It really messed with their mental health. And so when you talk to different experts in the field about going back to school versus not, a lot of them, you know, have, have agreed with what I'm saying is when you weigh the pros and cons, those kids, a lot of kids need to be in school because their mental health is just not doing well. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, you talk about the kids struggled for structure. I mean, I'm struggling for structure, you know, and I'm an adult and I have way more impulse control and, you know, outlets than than my kids do. And I'm I got hit hard with this idea of not having a lot of structure to my day. Um, So. Yeah, I think if the adults in the room are struggling, I think the kids are struggling even more, for sure. I agree with you on that one. I was going to say the same thing. We all the time expect kids to be able to do things that adults can't do. You know, like kids are never allowed to have a bad day. They're not allowed to have a bad attitude. They're not allowed to have, you know, their own feelings or emotions. They have to be respectful and be seen and not heard, like all that. Um, I mean, it's getting better, but at least that's how it was when I was growing up. Um, But you know, my husband, his company announced they're working from home until at least January, 2021, the whole company. 
he works for a really, really big company and they're all working from home. So like, it's not safe for them to go back, but it's safe for the kids to go back. And I'm not saying like one's right and one's wrong, um, but it's kind of a conflicting message there, you know? And, you know, we're seeing it in adults that increase depression and anxiety and need for structure and need for socialization. Like how much harder is it for a child? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, well, let's talk for a minute about the e-learning piece. Let's say you're a parent, you've decided, I want to do e-learning, you know, you don't feel comfortable with the in-person option. Um, when it comes to choosing an e-learning platform, either you're going and doing an individual one that you choose or you're doing it through through the school, what questions, maybe like the top three or top two um, questions should parents be asking about those e-learning platforms? What should their considerations be? Uh, well, I would just say look at your child's IEP and see what services and accommodations should be provided on that IEP and start there. Um, for instance, one of the students I work with, he has a behavior goal and that's the only goal he has. And on that IEP, it says he's supposed to receive one-on-one -on -one or small group instruction. Well, that didn't happen in the spring. And so one of the questions we're asking the district, how can we make sure that happens? Can you, do you, are you going to have, you know, social learning pods or, you know, small social skills groups or how is that going to look? So I would say look at your child's IEP and the services that should be provided and start there and ask those questions. Is my child able to get 120 minutes a month for speech? Um, you know, again, talking about the one-on-one, -on -one, the small group. Can that happen? Is that going to happen? Um, you know, when you talk about reading, math, and writing, or OT within when it says hand over hand, how are you going to do that? Um, so I think that that's where I would start personally is look at that IEP and ask those questions regarding services and how they can be implemented and how that day can be structured to include those services. Now, I, again, in the restart or reset restart plan I was reading prior to our time today. And in there, he actually had a really interesting section that talked about personalizing school for kids. And I just thought it was very intriguing because, yes, we should do that. We should differentiate school for all kids. And why should that be any different if we're doing e-learning versus in-person? And so there's actually a section in there that says that, that they should have almost a tiered model of instruction for kids. And so I'm hoping that school districts buy into that and actually do that instead of having a one-size-fits-all model that doesn't work for most people. That'd be amazing. I love that. Um, I think it would be amazing if we could do something like that because that's, that's basically what happens for Finn at his school is they tailor, they individualize his learning right so he may be in a room with three or four other kids but he's getting instruction for him that makes sense for him and they're able to do that because they're a fully funded school right mm -hmm. so if we could fully fund our public schools i bet there's so many wonderful things we could get them to do and support them on and so yeah i would be all for that i think that I think that's 
that he said that is great. And I would love to see each kid get the support that like Finn gets at his school. That would be amazing because they all need it. And I've heard of some school districts that are going to have like AIDS, which I thought, hey, that's a great use for AIDS, right? But they're having the AIDS check in on the kids too. Mm -hmm. So I think school districts need to, how, how can you utilize the staff that you have? Mm-hmm. And I think that was a good way of doing it. So mm-hmm. having other personnel, you know, maybe running some small groups or maybe just checking in with kids and helping them. That would be great. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you had mentioned earlier, we've talked for a second about potting. <laughs> so I've never, I never heard about this. And today's the first time I've heard this. So what, what it's is new, it? What are you talking about? It's a new dance craze. So oh, that was, okay. So that would be like, let's say we're next door neighbors, Sarah, and our kids are on the same schedule. So our kids are going to school, we'll just say Tuesday and Thursdays, and they're e-learning the other three days. But I have to work and so do you. And so maybe we get our kids together and maybe it's like I teach them on Mondays and you teach them on Tuesdays. Or maybe we combine our funds and we hire a tutor or a teacher to teach our kids. Um, so that's kind of what that is, is parents coming together and either working together to have that instruction or hiring out and having somebody do the teaching or helping with the e-learning. That is very, very interesting. Sounds exhausting. It does. This all sounds exhausting, honestly. I'm very tired. I how how do you think so when people talk about potting I'm kind of wondering like it sounds like a more intense version of homeschooling almost like like you're a doing co-op a, right like a co-op of school interesting okay and you guys again over on your Facebook page have a video where one of your colleagues what was her Morgan. name Morgan, Morgan. Masters. Mm-hmm. Okay, Morgan. Um, she, Morgan said, here's some things you need to consider. Yeah. Um, those things, she talked about, like, the person being an employee of yours. Yeah, and... she said, yep, yep, about the liability of having an employee versus having them be, like, a contract person. And, yeah, so she has some really awesome things that I would have never thought about. Exactly, exactly. Oh, I think I did see that. Like, what if they get hurt while they're at your house or... Or sick. Yeah. Or what if your child harms them? Very possible if you know my child. Okay. So you just made my brain more tired. All right. (laughs) So... (laughs) Okay. So, Danielle, we're going to... We're going to close out. Tell us what to do. What should we do? (laughs) That's the whole Be reason we got our you life here, coach. <laughs> right? <laughs> I Make think us feel have, better. I think you have to follow your heart and do what you think is best for your child. Honestly, every every child, every every family, every parent is different. I think you have to make the decision that you can sit with and sleep well at night with. Know that you've made the best decision you possibly can make for your child, whatever that may be. Okay, I feel better. <laughs> Alrighty, thank you. <laughs> well, I think as our governor, our lovely, um, wonderful little man governor says, we're in this together. We're all, if we're making the wrong decision, we're doing it together. None of us knows what's happening. None of us knows. 
what even matters anymore? Like, life has no meaning. What is time? I don't know. Like, the world is nuts. We're all in the same boat. You're going to give yourself grace. You're going to be fine. Yeah. If it's the wrong decision, it's the wrong decision. Whatever. You'll make it up somehow in life. Cut all this out. Never mind. Forget I have said anything. All right. I will. Well, um... I think we're done. I appreciate you joining us again, Miss Danielle, tonight. And thank you so much for your guidance and your your logical way of looking at things and the questions we should be asking. I really appreciate you coming on here. Thank you. And again, I think that parents, it would be worth your while to check out our Facebook page because, like I said, a lot of a lot of my colleagues out at Wiker have put out some really awesome videos that are very informative. So I would advise mm-hmm. everyone to take a look at those. And people awesome. can um, contact you guys um, there at Albite Wiker if they need some more guidance above and beyond the Facebook page. Yes, absolutely. I think we have a link on our website still. Um, so it's awlawohio.com. And so there should be a link to contact us with our phone number. And our lovely intake coordinator, Ashley, will take care of you. Fantastic. All right. Awesome. Thank you so much. thank you, Finn's joining us to say goodbye. And as always, here's to the complexity in our journeys, the highs and lows, the joys and sorrows. May those who observe us do so with compassion. And good luck to everybody for the school year. May the odds be ever in your favor. Yes, we're we're all in this together. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Bye guys. Thanks. Bye. Bye. <laughs>